Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. It is Ryan here, and I have a question for you. What do you do when you win? Like, are you a fist pumper? A woohooer, a hand clapper, a high fiver. I kind of like the high five, but if you want to hone in on those winning moves, check out Chumba Casino at chumbacasino.com. Choose from hundreds of social casino style games for your chance to redeem serious cash prizes. There are new game releases weekly, plus free daily bonuses. So don't wait. Start having the most fun ever at chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. VGW Group. Void were prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. Football Social Daily. Hello and welcome to the Football Social Daily Premier League podcast. We're approaching the final straight, squeaky bum time, no mistakes, error territory, whatever you want to call it, we are right in the business end of the Premier League season. It's all been kind of busy over the last couple of weeks but we're slowly getting back to a bit of normality and that includes football we're back up to full schedules of weekend football which is absolutely brilliant for all of us that love to cram in as many games as possible over the weekend and that's definitely the case in the next couple of days we've got five games today sorry five yes five games today I'm so excited I can't even remember what day of the week it is we've got five games today four games tomorrow and then one on Monday night and we've got so much to get through here on the Football Social Daily Premier League podcast that we're going to jump straight into the action. My name's Fergal Brennan and I'm joined today by Ty Marshall, Senior Football Writer for the Manchester Evening News. Ty, how are we? Hello, I'm very well, thank you. Very good stuff. And we also have Jonathan Smith, Manchester City Correspondent for Goal.com. Jonathan, how are you? I'm good, yeah. I'm, I'm back in lockdown, unfortunately, but uh, I've got two weeks of self-isolation, so I was supposed to be going to Brighton today, so uh, but stuck at home. Oh dear, oh dear, oh dear, oh dear. Um, well, there you go. We, we think it's the uh, the rich and famous that have kept an eye on during coronavirus, <laughs> yeah. but even our own Jonathan is uh, is not subject uh, to uh, to his own uh, wills, and he is back in lockdown, apparently. Big news for the uh, sports social team. <laughs> right, we're going to get started. The two early games today are involving teams at the wrong end of the table. Norwich City at home to West Ham, and Watford at home to Newcastle. We're going to start with Norwich against West Ham. I think... We can kind of all universally agree that Norwich are, are gone. Um, that'll be rubber stamped today if they don't beat uh, West Ham. They, they're essentially hanging on by a thread. So we're going to focus on West Ham uh, for this one. Now, for me, they just don't seem to be able to do enough to forget about the magic 40-point mark, but do enough to just completely end any conversations of relegation. Ty, I'm going to go to you first on this one. Given the fact that they've had a few chances in the last couple of weeks to get that that win, I'm not talking about Chelsea. You know the old adage: you don't you don't uh, avoid relegation by beating teams in the top four. You avoid it by beating teams around you. Have they missed their their last big chance to keep it in their own hands? Given the games they've got to come, 
I mean, they've got. You'd have to think today is is going to be a victory for them. You know, Norwich are a little bit unfortunate in that they've just become the whipping boy for everyone, really. Even throwing away a lead at Watford last week was was a damning indictment of their season, really. And at the moment, it feels like Watford, uh, the Norwich, are basically just a, a free three points for the opposition. And I mean, if West Ham don't win this one, I think they'll they'll certainly be getting very nervous and um, and understandably so. In in mid, they were particularly poor in midweek that they started running off against Burnley but then kind of tailed off and, and that was the kind of game they'd have been looking at against the team who don't have a great deal to play for they'd have been looking at expecting three points it's the, the, the defeat there has certainly put the pressure on this one and you know they will they will be well aware of how important this game is to their survival chances that 40 point mark you mentioned is kind of become the, the accepted norm for, for survival now and you hear managers trotting out at the start of every season but in reality, if you get 40 points these days, you're probably finishing about 15th. There's, um, you know, it very rarely takes 40 points these days. It's normally 35, 36. So one win for West Ham and they're, they're probably very close to, to being safe and they will feel confident they can get it today. But I think, it's, I think the defeat in midweek has certainly put the pressure on them for this one. Jonathan, when we look at these situations and we talk about teams in the relegation zone and we, we say how they need a goal scorer and they need a, a solid spine and a keeper that's not going to throw one into the back of the net, West Ham don't seem to have a player that you'll go he's got that bit of magic or he's got that reliability in front of goal to make sure that on the final day Hammers fans are not sitting there and thinking are we going back to the championship Uh, who would you pick out in that team that you think has got that bit of inspiration that could pull them out of it or am I right in saying that that they don't and that this time next week or in two weeks time there's the potential that they could be staring a return to the championship in the face I think they've got one or two players who can pull out a bit of magic. You know, I'm a big fan of Mikel Antonio. He's he's he missed a few chances against Burnley. He missed chances in the in a game against Chelsea as well. But at least he's creating chances, and that's always the thing at the bottom. If you you know, if you're not getting many chances, the pressure's even greater to take them. They scored three against Chelsea, um, not against Burnley, but. That that's a decent decent record. Also, Lanzini, you know, he's he, he's back. I think to face Norwich today, he can create a little bit of magic. Yarmolenko, the way he took that goal against Chelsea as well. They have. I don't think they've got one outstanding forward. They've got individuals who can make the difference on in individual games. Haller hasn't been great. I don't think he's, you could say he's been a success. Maybe this is the time for him to step up and really show why West Ham spent such a lot of money on him. But given the fact that, as Ty mentioned before, when you're looking at these games, if you're in a relegation battle, you want to be playing against teams with nothing to play for. That kind of ninth down to 14th that are safe but are not in danger of pushing for Europe. West Ham have lost that that chance now with you know the, the game against Burnley and Newcastle that they, they could only get a point from a potential sixth there. Now they've got Norwich, who are still theoretically in the race, Watford, who are scrapping for their lives. Then they've got to go to United, who are banging form and pushing for the top four. And then the final day, it could be a playoff at home to Aston Villa. We're, we're going to focus on the, the Norwich game in, in just a second, but Jonathan, we'll do a quick prediction on points-wise. When you look at those four games coming... Where do you see the points coming from? How many points do you think they can get between now and the end of the season? I think you're really looking... Well, I, I put them down for a win today, so I I would put them down for a win against Villa as well. So I think six points, and I think that'll be enough. You look at the, the form of everyone else down there. I mean, West Ham have only won once since lockdown, but that makes them the form side of the teams who were really fighting to survive. So I think they'll do enough. So you go for six, nothing against Watford or United? 
yeah uh, that's what I would go for okay Ty would you follow that given the fact that as I say uh, they're in a position where it's not an ideal last few games they'd want to be playing against as I say maybe Newcastle and Burnley again uh, although maybe not based on the last time they met Burnley a few days ago do you think they've got enough do you you see there being enough points from those four games I would think so yeah Um, like Jonathan says apart from that game away at United their running is like I say, although they're playing teams that are fighting for their lives, they are fighting for their lives as well in theory. And, you know, they are above Watford and Villa and Norwich in the table for a reason. They might only be just above them, but they are above them for a reason. The fact they've got Watford and Villa at home will be encouraging to them. And, and like I say, Norwich, wherever you play them, is feels like a gimme at the moment. So, I mean, it, it would be no great surprise if they won all three, apart from United. But there's also that thought that if they do lose today then the, the pressure is really going to ratchet up on them and that is you know that's that would be a concern for them but I think if they win today then I wouldn't be surprised if they got decent results against Watford and Villa as well so I think in terms of if the pressure for them going into the last few games then it, you know that today will make a big difference but I think you know like like Jonathan says the form that the teams down there have been in the form that Bournemouth and Villa have been in it'd be no great surprise if, if one win and a win today was enough for them frankly well, I think we're going for a clean sweep for West Ham to stay up. I fancy them to just to just skim it. Are we going for three for three to win here and goodbye Norwich? Yeah, I think so. I can't see. I mean, Norwich have played well in a, in a couple of games, but they just haven't come back from lockdown particularly well. They just don't seem to have any goals in them at the moment. Everything to play for for West Ham. They'll be right up for this, so I think they'll win it today. Ty? Yes, I would agree. I, I think West Ham will have uh, too much for him. Yeah, I think it's bye-bye Canaries. I think we can all be agreed on that. Apologies, Norwich City fans. We have enjoyed you uh, on the show and in patches this season, but I think the road has come to an end. What other team in action uh, in the early kickoff, as you mentioned at the start of the show, is Watford at home to Newcastle. Watford, for me, are in an almost identical situation to West Ham. They can't seem to get that win. Uh, that makes them safe. Obviously, wonder goal from from Welbeck to beat Norwich, as Ty said, that everyone's beaten at the moment. Um, but Pearson's expected kind of we've got enough, we've got the experience. You look at Pearson, he's got a bit of a reputation as a relegation specialist. Ty, uh, should we be worried about them as well, or, or do we see this as being a, an almost identical situation to West Ham that they should have enough? Yeah, again, you would think they, they they probably should have enough compared to where they were when Pearson came in over you know over a longer period. They've obviously been the more impressive of the sides down there, although that has stalled slightly recently. Um, again, it's one of those where the Newcastle game today is an interesting one in that Newcastle haven't got a lot to play for, but that's kind of almost given Newcastle a bit of freedom. And we saw what they did to Bournemouth when Bournemouth probably thought that was a real chance for them to get three points. So that's an interesting one today and again it's one of those that if they lose the, the pressure really comes on with the fact they've got I think they've got West Ham on, on Friday so you would think they would have just about enough they've got decent players in that squad That they've obviously got a lot of leadership on field and with Deeney and, and off field with Nigel Pearson so again I would think they, they do have enough and again I think a win today would, would really put the, the bottom three or Bournemouth and Villa at least in, in really big trouble Jonathan, would you follow that? You know, we talked about run-ins. Obviously, Newcastle at home today, then a bit of a relegation playoff away at West Ham. But if there's not positive results gained from those two games, you expect it to be taken out of Watford's hands, given the fact they've got Manchester City at home and Arsenal away to end the season. It's do or die for Nigel Pearson, really, uh, against Newcastle today. It feels like a really big game for them. It feels like 
like you say, you look at those fixtures coming up, this is on paper the one that is the most winnable. And not only that, the, the, the time of the season it's coming, this would move them away. You know, Villa and, um, uh, and Norwich, they just can't pick up wins anywhere. Moving six points clear, you just think that's just going to put the pressure on, on them and, and Bournemouth. I mean, I've been a little bit surprised about Watford since they came back from lockdown. You know, big fan of Nigel Pearson. He got them going before the before the break, and they've not really hit that form. You know, patchy results, uh, a, a, a defeat at home to Southampton. I watched them against Norwich, and they really struggled. It was a really nervous victory. They got over the line, thanks to that goal from from Danny Welbeck. Absolutely brilliant goal. So. They've got to get it together. Just pull out a ninety minutes today, and you think that's going to be enough to 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 clear them out of the bottom three. And they can go to that West Ham that game then with almost a a free pass to pick up a point that would, should be enough. I think. I think. I think four points from their last four games would be enough to to see them safe. Uh, Ty, we'll flick this back over to you to do the the relegation predictions on this one. As I say, four games, two that are going to be particularly difficult to wrap up the season. Given the points that are available, given the situation that they're in, uh, Jonathan's tipping Watford to survive. You said it yourself. But when you look at the fixtures, are are you still as confident? I think a lot... I think a lot depends on on today. I think if they get a win today, then yes. But I think if if they lose today, then, like I say, those last two games, they'll be well aware how difficult those last two games are. And realistically you know they're probably going to get zero points from them so that does kind of make West Ham on on Friday do or die if they don't pick up a result today like Jonathan says I've been a bit surprised at at the way they've played since they came back I'd I'd have thought Pearson would have really had them going in this period and and really had them ready and and they'd have clawed their way out of it fairly comfortably but that hasn't been the case Um, I do still think they'll, they'll just about get over the line but I think it for Watford, I think it's all dependent on the, the next two games rather than the, the, the final two games. Um, so just to check, because we're not going to do any spoiler alerts, there's not really any teams that are going to be covering later in the show that are involved in the relegation scrap. Uh, are we are we going collectively for the bottom three to stay as it is? I that, that's so, the yeah. way I would... Sorry. No? Sorry, yeah, I was going to agree with Ty, yeah. Those are the three. You're not giving any lifeboat to Bournemouth or Villa? They've just not come back from lockdown with any sort of form. I watched um, Villa against United and they, they started, started quite well, created a couple of chances. They just look at the back, they look wide open. And when United got it going, it just seemed like they would concede at any moment. And without goals coming at the other end, you know, it's just that's just the recipe for relegation, isn't it? So unless they can pull something around quickly and there's no sign of that, I don't give them much of a chance. Fair enough, fair enough. The hammer has come down. Those are the three teams that are going down, according to the Saturday team on the Football Social Daily Premier League podcast. Uh, One team that I think is fairly safe from relegation is Liverpool. Uh, They're at home to Burnley today. Now, uh, we've all talked enough about Liverpool, I think, in the last couple of weeks. I think it's uh, the only focus for them now is can they break Manchester City's record? So we're going to have a quick look at Burnley, who've been impressive uh, post-lockdown, recovered from that. Uh, 5-0 defeat against Manchester City uh, and it's been 1-0 1-0 1-all and 1-0 since then now I- I'm going to get this printed on t-shirts Burnley gonna Burnley no team when they need a 1-0 win even away from home 
uh, is as good at getting it as Burnley. They are absolutely excellent when they need to get a point. We talked about Pearson a second ago for for Watford and uh, obviously Moyes with West Ham and expectations that we have of these managers. For me, in that sort of a scenario, the only person that consistently meets... um, meets their objectives is Daesh and he has done exactly that and now we're in a situation where Burnley could possibly get a Europa League spot now Ty you've had a, a long held love affair with, with Burnley Football Club and with Sean Dyche so I think it's only fair that we ask you about this how impressed have you been with Burnley in, in the context of a very strange post-lockdown uh, setup for Premier League football they've managed to perform under pressure and do exactly what they needed to do and with quite a few injuries for Dyche to deal with yeah, I mean, what, what they've done and what Dyche has done since that Man City game is, I mean, I think it's, just, it's absolutely astonishing. I think the after that City game, they, they obviously got thumped there. They had no options on the bench. They had senior players who were leaving. The, the, the you know, Dyche and the chairman basically at open warfare. It, it was a complete disaster. And at that point, you looked at them and looked at all the injuries and thought, they're just going to fall. They're going to fall apart here. They've had more injuries since then. They've still got no options on the bench. They're still fielding two goalkeepers on the bench. There's there's hardly any senior players to bring off the bench. And somehow they're they're picking up wins and draws and you know they're they're on Tottenham and Arsenal's to- co- coattails. It's I think it's been absolutely incredible to be honest. And it's a real sort of feather in the cap for for Dyche and, and what he does. They obviously don't play great football and I think that's what's always held him back from from getting another job and the football they've played recently hasn't been great, but it shows that he can organise a defence. One of those games, I think the draw came came without Ben Mee. You know, it just shows what he can do. And it, I think after that City game, I think everyone, you know, didn't fear they would get dragged into a relegation battle. But I think everyone expected them to to fall away and finish 14th or 15th. And the way they've steadied the ship and picked up points, you know, it's been it's been amongst the best three weeks that Dyche has probably had at Burnley, despite qualifying for Europe and the promotions. To have done it in in this scenario with with the backs to the wall, as it were, and like I say, senior players leaving, but also those players in the dressing room who were staying, they were asking questions of them and wondering why their mates weren't getting new deals. To 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 fight through all that and put together this run of form is is absolutely exceptional. Jonathan, as, as Ty said, they've, they've put themselves in a position to be on the back of Arsenal and Wolves and Tottenham and Sheffield United that are scrapping for a Europa League place. There is a little bit of an argument to be made here that. Daesh might be unhappy if they do get into Europe, given the fact that, as Ty mentioned, there's issues over numbers that they're going to be able to call on, the fact that Europa League really does take a lot out of a thin squad. If Burnley yeah. do do complete sorry, if Burnley do complete this, will Daesh actually be a bit annoyed, do you think? Well, I think getting into Europe is a reward for a good season. It, you know, it shows how good they are that they they the thought of being able to co- uh, play against the best sides in, in Europe, and, and that should be looked at as a as a as something to look forward to, not not as a punishment. Uh, and there's every reason that they can get into the into Europe. You know, you look at the sides above them. Spurs are, are falling apart. Arsenal are inconsistent, and then you, you're sort of chasing down Sheffield United, Wolves. That you, you you never know they could make it, and why not go for it? I mean, obviously the argument is it starts stretching the squad. Sean Dyche hasn't got a, a lot of depth. You know, you look at the defence um, without Ben Mee today. Uh, Kevin Long's come in for the last game, and I think it was his, something like his first start in since 2018. So, you know, they they do have a very thin squad, and that season they had in Europe previously, which started very early. I think it was around sort of 
early, early, mid, early to mid-July and they, they found themselves in a bit of trouble on, on the back of that and ended up in a bit of a relegation scrap which is something we haven't seen in the, in the seasons when they've not been in Europe but you know you, you have to see what the expectations are and, and, and why not go for Europe it's, it's, it's part of the entertainment it's part of what Burnley have, have been down in the lower leagues for, for years and years they're now enjoying a a really exciting period and, and why not have these these trips into Europe and obviously it's sad that the fans won't be able to be, be part of it but they can they can still enjoy it and still get a, some of these glamour ties against uh, you know, the best sides on the continent why not? But with, with that in mind Ty does it slightly go against Daish's philosophy in that <clears throat> focus on the here and the now let's even get enough points to get into Europe you know scrapping over the line having the kids on the bench and two goalkeepers and then we'll address the, the transfer issues in the summer um, or do you think he's going to look at it and go it's not in my nature I want to play safe we've, we've lost players uh, I'm delighted I've been waiting to put Jeff Hendrick in a podcast for ages AC reported AC Milan target Jeff Hendrick has left the club Um this might be making it feel a little bit easier how do you think he is going to approach these games I, I, I do agree with Jonathan that the fans will be saying go whole hog you know we might not be able to be at these games but at least we can be sat in the pub watching Burnley against potentially Inter Milan or someone like that but Daesh is the key here how, how will he be looking to approach these final few games um, well I think he's a he's a very competitive animal so I think he'll be looking to win them but I I've I don't think he'd be delighted with Europa League qualification. Let's, let's put it that way. I think he really felt that two years ago it, it had a major impact on their form and was a major part of the reason why they did struggle so much in the first half of the season and you know the halfway stage and, and even later that they were in deep, deep trouble and, and just about clawed their way out of it in the end. And you know I, I was still covering them at the start of that season and in Europe and I think you know Dice really felt that it did have an impact and it's not just the extra games we've seen how well drilled they are on the training ground but if you're playing on a Sunday and in midweek you're playing on a Thursday in in Turkey or something then you know you spend Tuesday preparing for the Europa League game you spend Wednesday traveling you play you don't get back until Friday 4 5 a.m. and then you're playing on a Sunday you have to travel on a Saturday or something like that and it takes a lot of time away from from preparation on the training ground and I think that had a big impact as well and I think the bigger issue is that their squad is... The fact that they've lost these senior players, and to be fair, a lot of them have probably been going anyway, the likes of, of Legstins and Johar and Lennon. Um, and Jeff Hendricks is probably the one that he's disappointed to lose. But they're still four senior players that need replacing at a time when every club is is counting the cost of, of playing without fans. Burnley are a very prudently run club. There's not a lot of money to spend there when the times are good. So... I can't imagine they're going to be splashing the cash this summer, which makes it difficult just to kind of get the squad back to where it was this season, never mind build on it. So I think for that reason, I think there'd be real caution about going on, on a Euro- European tour again. Obviously, if they end up there by virtue of winning games, then then it happens. But I think if they finished eighth and, and just missed out, I don't think I should be too disappointed with that. OK, prediction time. Uh, Jonathan, we'll go to you first on this. Uh, first of all, do Burnley get into the Europa League? No, I think they'll just miss out. I mean, they, they've got a couple of tough fixtures coming up. So, obviously today, Liverpool have won every single game at Anfield this season. So, I can't see them winning today. And uh, I think I think they'll just fall short. And, and perhaps, like Ty says, maybe maybe they might just be happy to to sort of miss out on a, on a win when, and take a draw at some, some point along the line. 
Uh, Ty, would you follow that? Uh, Jonathan, going for a Liverpool win today and, and Burnley just just missing as the Europa League trapdoor closes? I would think so, yeah. I mean, I, do th- I think Burnley will give them a real game today at, at Anfield. Liverpool haven't been great since they won the league. Um, the, the game last week against Villa was, was you know, a very difficult watch and it wouldn't surprise me if it was the same again today. But Liverpool seem to, to always find a way of, of getting over the line at home. After that, I think Burnley's last three are probably all winnable. We've seen Wolves aren't in, in great nick recently and they've got to go to Turf more. Then it's Norwich and, and Brighton. So I could see them picking up maybe seven points at least from those last three games, which might well put them in the picture. But I, I, I do think they will, they will just miss out. OK, fair enough. And quickly, before we take a break, the question that we actually all really want to know about Burnley Football Club tie, is Jeff Hendrick going to AC Milan? He's got the haircut. Uh, is, is he going? What do you reckon? <laughs> uh, well, I'm not as well connected there as I used to be, but um, <laughs> I don't think anyone at Burnley is expecting Jeff Hendrick to be playing his football at the San Siro next year. Let's put it that way. Okay, well, unless he essentially returns and Burnley qualify for the Europa League, so we never know. We'll well, definitely yeah. we'll put that down as keeping an eye on it. Okay, uh, we've covered the bottom half of the table. After the break, we're going to be talking about the race for Europe as Sheffield United play host to Chelsea and Brighton take on Manchester City. Join us again in a few minutes. Football Social Daily. Subscribe to the podcast now so you never miss an episode. Football Social Daily. Get daily news and updates on your team via your Amazon Alexa. Just ask Alexa. Open Sports Social. Hello and welcome back to the Football Social Daily Premier League podcast. Now, don't forget, with the Premier League back in full swing, we here at the Football Social Daily team are as well. We're back to seven days a week. We're available wherever you get your podcasts. And if you hit subscribe on this episode, you'll have a fresh one every single day. And if you're just interested in your own team and you're not too bothered about the other 19 sides in the Premier League, you can enable sports social updates on your Amazon Alexa device. Simply ask the device to enable sports social select your team and away you go now before the break we talked about the relegation battle now we're going to snake our way up the Premier League ladder and talk about the race for Europe and for me the game of the weekend is Sheffield United at home to Chelsea all the praise that Sheffield United have got this season it kind of comes down to this for them the next two weeks are probably going to define Sheffield United's season because as much as we err on the side of caution and we say that we can't be unrealistic in our expectations, we all kind of agreed pre-lockdown that they look good for Europe. Hasn't started brilliantly for them on the restart, but they've got themselves back on the road. Two big wins in their last two games. Jonathan, I'm going to go to you first on this one. How has perception changed of Chris Wilder this season? I think a lot of Premier League fans have you know, woken up to the fact that maybe they were a bit dismissive of him at the start of the campaign. But is it fair that so much of their season, that 38 games are essentially going to get shoved into into two weeks? Oh, I think he's done a fantastic job. I think it's quite interesting that Pep Guardiola said that he he'd learnt a lot from what well not he'd learnt something from watching Chris Wilder's teams, and Pep's obviously the best arguably the best coach in the world so if he's learning something from Chris Wilder that shows exactly how innovative he is it's fantastic what they've done this season uh, they, you know when they came back from lockdown and you thought oh well then, you know, that's the same shame they've had a great season and they've not, not responded well to coming back and that it's all it's they're going to survive well done let's have a look at what they do next season but all of a sudden they sort of pick themselves up and, and given themselves a, a real shot at getting into Europe and, it, and it, it's brilliant to watch and like you say this is the game of the weekend 
and I know some fans are a bit mixed about these games behind closed doors, but the, this game is is really worth worth watching. One getting ex, worth getting excited about. We've got this race for the top four, and and Sheffield United are a, a, a really exciting side to watch, an interesting side to watch, and and they'll give Chelsea a good game. And it's it's really fascinating to see whether they can squeeze into the top seven, and and I really hope they do. Ty, the interesting thing for me when you look at them, I think Jonathan's 100% right there. A lot of fans and, and, you know, even ourselves were in a position to kind of, after the first few games, say, oh, you know, the journey's over, they've done brilliantly, you know, top half, etc. But they refuse to bend to stereotypes and, and, you know, take the easy option and just, you know, say, we'll just see out the season and keep our safety. Wilder wants Europe. We talked about Daesh before the break, maybe not wanting Europe. Do you get the sense with Chris Wilder that he does want it as a recognition of how good his team are? Yeah, I think he probably does. And, you know, it'd be a great stage for, for him as a manager to, to go on to and manage in Europe. And they have had a season that, that probably deserves Europa League football. Um, you know, like Jonathan says, they are, a, they are a fascinating team to watch and you know, when you're Chris Wilder and you've got Pep Guardiola this year saying he's he's learning something from you. Last year, I think Marcello Bielsa called Wilder the most tactically interesting manager in the Championship. You know, that's seriously high praise in uh, in the coaching fraternity and shows what a what a fantastic job he is doing there. And I think he'd, he'll certainly, you would imagine, he'll be on the radar of of bigger clubs. With all due respect to to Sheffield United, that goal, that last minute winner against Wolves in, in midweek has really kind of rejuvenated their season hasn't it and brought life back into their season they're, they're running over the next couple of weeks is tricky with, with Chelsea and Leicester but at the same time it, it, you know, it, it almost puts things in their, their own hands they win both of those and they might well be closing up on, on one of those two teams especially with Leicester looking in, in not the best of, of form so there is a real opportunity for them over the next couple of weeks and I think that, that win in midweek has probably really sort of sparked some life back into their season for the last four games and Jonathan, Ty's right when you look at run-ins and that's obviously where we're going to judge these teams by Sheffield United are beating their rivals 3-1 against Tottenham and they played really well late point away at Burnley and then beating Wolves who are their most immediate rivals Chelsea at home today, then Leicester away Chef uh, at home to Everton and then a final day away at Southampton who are probably safe they've got a little bit of a blend of enough rivals to keep them fresh but enough teams that are just drifting along that they can go and just smash and grab a few easy points I'm going to ask you a direct question Jonathan do you, do you think they're going to get into Europe have they done enough uh, well, I don't know I, I'm not sure that's the easiest running I mean Chelsea Need a win. Leicester need a win. They're, they're fighting for that top four. Southampton have maybe been one of the surprise teams since lockdown. They've, you know, pulled a, pulled out a string of results when you thought perhaps they just got not a lot to play for. So it's it's not the easiest of running. Um, I, I think it's going to be very very tough. Uh, I just I just fancy Chelsea to. Chelsea have got so much riding on this today. I just fancy them to, to perhaps pick them off. Um, and I think, you know, Arsenal or Spurs are going to win, are going to pick up points from their derby. So I just think they're going to just going to miss out. 
Okay, fair enough. Uh, Ty, when we look at Sheffield United's run, and you know we're obviously excited to when a, a new Championship team comes up. Uh, I'm I'm particularly got a bit riding on this right at the start of the season. We did our predictions, and our man Niall McCorn and Pete Hall, how they laughed at me when I predicted that Sheffield United would definitely get a top ten finish. Uh, so I've got a lot of pride riding on this. Um, do you see it going that way, or do, do you agree with Jonathan that just when it comes to the crunch, they might just get squeezed out? I, I, no, I think they might. I think they might hold on and, and get in Europe. I think if they win one of these next, if they beat Chelsea or Leicester, I think that would probably be enough for them with, with the last two games. So, yeah, I, I think they've got a real chance, and I think Chelsea might find it tough today. I think the the game at Stamford Bridge early in the season, Chelsea were, were two 0 up and looked to be cruising there, and Wilder made a change, and, and Sheffield United got a point back and, and were the better side in the second half. So that suggests that he has perhaps worked Chelsea out and, and has a bit of a, an advantage over them. So I've got, I've got a sneaking feeling that Sheffield United might, might get the win today. Fair enough. Uh, Chelsea, uh, we're in a kind of an odd position with this Chelsea v United race to get into the top four. There's been a huge amount of attention on United and, and rightfully so. Mason Greenwood, Anthony Martial, Bruno Fernandes, Paul Pogba are all in excellent form and they've put Solskjaer's team right back into it. We've almost forgotten to talk about Chelsea in all of this. And aside from the West Ham defeat, they have looked good. They beat Manchester City. They've got Willian, who's leaving the club in a couple of weeks, scoring goals for them. Pulisic looks to be clicking into gear. Jonathan, when we look at this game, you've kind of tipped towards Chelsea beating Sheffield United. So to build on that, when you look at the games that they've got to come uh, in, in the next week or so, do you think they've got enough to win their own race? They're in a different race to push for top four. Um to either squeeze United or Leicester out. Yeah, I mean, I'd, although they've had a, a decent run of results, I don't think they've been awfully convincing. You know, they, they've been high-scoring games: three-two win against Chelsea, three-two defeat against West Ham. Obviously, saw the game against City, and oh, you know, City completely bossed that game uh, until they it was individual errors that led to that opener. Like you say, Pulisic is in in five and form. Williams looking like he's. Doing everything he can to to earn that new contract. Um, you know this is this is a big test. After this, you know Norwich at home's probably going to be a gimme. They're, they've probably gone, but they've they've got some hard games to come. It's 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 a fascinating race. You know United are absolutely flying. They seem unstoppable, but you think they eventually they they must drop points between now and the end of the season. It's it, it's it's a really exciting race. Leicester are the ones that are the concern. They're the ones who've not really put it back together since lockdown. So of the three teams going for those those two Champions League places that are left, you've got to think that Chelsea and United... You know, I, I would think that United are the, are, the, are the form team and then Chelsea are just going to edge ahead of Leicester. Uh, Ty, would you agree with that? So Jonathan's going for Chelsea win today and them to get into top four. Would you follow that? I, I think they'll probably get ahead of Leicester. Yeah, I think Leicester have have really struggled since they've come back and have got some some tricky games to come. So I do think Leicester might might drop out of the picture. I mean, it's quite it, it shows what form and what momentum United have got, and that we, we're talking about a top four race with four games of the season to go. Yet I think most of us consider the the banker for for the two remaining top four places to be the team in fifth at the moment, and one of the third or fourth place teams dropping out. It just shows how how well United are playing and, and how good their, their run of fixtures is, really. They, they have 
they've taken advantage of a, of a pretty routine fixture list and, and have obviously got to go to Leicester on the last day. So I would certainly have United in there. Chelsea's experience will probably be, be a bit too much for Leicester. I mean, I think it would be a shame if if Leicester do miss out. I mean, look like top four certainties for most of the season. But, you know, their, their run of form and their, and their run of kind of middling performances isn't really a new thing post-lockdown. This was going on for a good six weeks to two months but before the season was suspended as well. So that they have lost a fair bit of form and, and rhythm. So I, I do think it would be Leicester that drops out, yeah. So, just for the record, just because we're getting so many games crammed in uh, that we might not have you on the show again before the end of the season, <laughs> you're going Chelsea and United, Jonathan? Chelsea and United. Would you agree? Yeah, I would, well, I'm going United and Chelsea, yeah. Yeah, okay. I'll have United in third. Wow, no time for any sort of sentimentality from you guys. The fairy tale of Leicester City, former Premier League champions, one of the best teams in the first half of the season, but as you say, have uh, have dropped off the grid in the second half. Final game today is Brighton at home to Manchester City. Now, Ty mentioned at the start that the 40-point mark is a little bit of a myth, particularly this season when so many things are not really following the rule book. Um, We can kind of agree that Brighton are safe on 36 points. So I want to have a look at City. Now, given the fact that everything's lock, stock and barrel for them, they were never going to win the league on lockdown, obviously, short of a disaster for Liverpool. Uh, Champions League football, they just one more win to absolutely rubber stamp it. But it hasn't gone perfectly for Pep, has it, Jonathan? On the restart, excellent performance against Arsenal. Then they dropped away. Then they battered Liverpool and then lost to Southampton and then reacted with the Newcastle. This kind of vice versa form, do you see that continuing until the end of the season? Well, I think after this, once that top four is secure, I think we'll see a bit more rotation. The focus will switch to the FA Cup. We've got this game against Arsenal in the semi-final and then obviously the end of the season, Champions League. So the, once the top four is, is done and dusted, then that can completely focus on those games. There's still silverware to, to play for. So, yeah, I think it, it could carry on. Um, the big, the big issue is can they can he address it before the start of next season? Because you know, City set an incredible standard for two seasons. Liverpool have, have done even better this season. Uh, he, he was asked, you know, what sort of what what we're looking at for next season in terms of uh, a, a points total that's going to win the title, and it's going to be over ninety points again. Uh, it, it's been ninety eight, hundred probably going to be over 100 points for the for the champions this season so he can't see it being lower than 95 and and if you're dropping points at Southampton losing at Southampton even losing at Chelsea that's not going to be enough to catch Liverpool so this season yeah it could it could continue before you know before we before we see the season out you know it wouldn't be a huge surprise to see Brighton pick up something today it's something that's got to be stopped before next year. Ty, given the fact that we talked about run-ins, Man City, it's shooting ducks in a barrel territory for them. Brighton away, Bournemouth at home, Norwich at home, Watford away for their last four games. Um, if, if How do we see Pep approaching this? Are these games auditions for the players for that Real Madrid clash in August? Uh, or do you think he's already got in mind how he's going to approach that? Because as Jonathan rightly says, the focus now is on the FA Cup and then on the Champions League. How do you see him approaching these these last four games? Because given the mixed form they've had post-lockdown, we can't really say that he's not taken his foot off the gas because they have in terms of the results and in terms of the performances. Yeah, I think um, I mean I think Pep will probably see these four games as, as having some kind of bearing on 
on what happens in the Champions League games. He's he's always spoken. You know, in virtually every press conference, he talks about the rhythm of his team and how his team needs rhythm, and they get that through through playing games. So. I agree with Jonathan that there will be rotation, but I think he'll still be keeping key players involved fairly regularly and, and playing strong sides just so his team can get that that rhythm and that momentum going ahead of playing Real Madrid. Um, I think it's why I think I think it's before the Real first leg, which seems months ago because it was months ago now when they had a rearranged game shoved in the middle of that week or the week before. I think and I think Pep was quite happy about it because it gave the team another 90 minutes to to rediscover that rhythm after their, their uh, mid-season break. So I think he will see these games, perhaps not as auditions necessarily. He's probably got a good idea of how he wants to play in against Madrid and in the Champions League, but I think he'll see him as an opportunity to, to get some rhythm. I mean, beyond that, I'm not sure City are going to learn a great deal from them. We know this team can be devastating on their day and in at least a couple of these remaining games, they will probably be exactly that and, and will be fantastic. And... At the same time, you wouldn't be surprised if they threw in another one of those performances that have dog City for this season um, and even the past 18 months in a way and, and throw in just one of those bizarre defeats that, that seems to, to plague them and, and is why they're so far behind Liverpool. And I don't think the remaining four games will tell us anything in terms of whether they can get that out of the system. I think that's, I think that's A, going to take longer and, and is B, going to require some significant work in the transfer market. So I think the the only relevance of these four games is, is going to be on, on Pep trying to keep his players in rhythm and, and building up some form ahead of the Champions League. Jonathan, one thing that I wanted to ask you, obviously you're covering Manchester City constantly, is, is this question of mentality. When they face Real Madrid in August, there's the potential that City will be coming off the back of four games against relegation candidates or relegated teams. They've lost the league to Liverpool by a huge margin. Real Madrid, on the other hand, are potentially going to confirm their first La Liga title to, since 2017 they're the opposite to this they're eight games in a row picking up wins they've overtaken Barcelona in the title race when it comes to mentality and that little mental edge as it stands now that is in Real Madrid's favour when we talk about being fresh and ready they're actually playing really competitive games because they need to win to make sure Barcelona don't get back into it Manchester City's season was decided in February or March even if there wasn't a lockdown is that a concern for City, for Guardiola, that ahead of that game, Real Madrid mentally will be in a better place? Slightly. I mean, it, it seems a little bit unfair. You go back to when City won in in the Bernabeu, a fantastic result, and really, you weren't giving Real Madrid much of a chance coming back to, to, to City. You know, a full stadium, City playing well, Real Madrid having injuries. They've now got some of those players back. They, you know, they, they seem very settled. They, they're grinding out good wins. They look like they're going to get the, the, the title sewn up in Spain. So, yeah, they will be flying into that game, uh, and they've got nothing to lose now going into that. So, and, and City have got everything to lose because that has been the focus. Um, but you know, I, you say they've got a couple of easy games. That's why perhaps the FA Cup is so important. They'll want to win that. You know, Pep quite often talks about this incredible record they've got of winning domestic trophies I know we don't all count the Community Shield but if you do I think it's um, I think it's seven from the last nine trophies available that they've won if they can get past Arsenal then they guarantee the final against Chelsea or United that's going to, not going to be easy you know particularly against United the way the way they're going that, that'll be a huge game 
uh, there'll be so much riding on it. I mean, that another one where a real shame that the fans won't be there for that. So they can build that momentum up. And in some ways, Pep's got that advantage where he can sort of almost handpick how he um, goes into these final games of the season, picking Laporte, De Bruyne, Sterling for certain games, giving them a rest when they need it, just nursing them through these final fixtures so, they, so they're, they're ready, but they haven't got any muscle injuries, no niggles, anything like that. Uh, you know, Real Madrid's not going to be easy. They are without Sergio Ramos. Ramos. You know, we know how important he is. So it's it's going to be a massive game, one to look forward to. But I think you know Pep's the best in the business, and he'll have City more than ready for it. Okay, fair enough, uh, gentlemen. We're going to call it there for today on the Football Social Daily Premier League podcast. We've made some big predictions uh, regarding European qualification and relegation. Uh, we've made some not big predictions: Manchester City getting into the Champions League, we think, uh, and a few other bits and pieces. Ty, Jonathan, thanks so much for joining me. Thank you. Thank you very much. And don't forget, if you like what you listen to today, just hit subscribe on this episode and you can have a fresh episode of the Football Social Daily every single day. Wherever you get your podcasts, we're available right the way across the board. You can also leave us a quick review. We'd love to hear your views on the podcast, what you've been talking about, what you'd like us to talk about a bit more, what you'd like us to talk about a bit less even. Uh, And you can also keep up to date on your own team via your Amazon Alexa device. Simply ask it to enable Sports Social, pick your team and you are good to go. Thanks very much, and we'll see you again very soon. Football Social Daily. Subscribe to the podcast now so you never miss an episode. With the Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandslots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. With Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, We've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details.